0: Welcome to the Life of Christ series 5. This is lesson 24. We are going to pick up where we left off. In order to keep us balanced, Leon Morris said that Jesus is not pronouncing a blessing on those in general who receive criticism, but on those who are upbraided for following him. For them, reproach, persecution, and slander are occasions of blessing. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 12, as he brings this final beatitude to a conclusion. He says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In Luke's version, Jesus says in Luke 6.23, Rejoice in that day and and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. Can I just say this? If he says leap for joy, it's a huge reward. (laughs) Okay. The only reason you'd leap for joy in this situation is because you're seeing what's actually coming. Amen? And he says, For in like manner again, their fathers did to the prophets. In other words, instead of being downhearted, depressed, or even furious, Jesus tells us to rejoice, be exceeding glad, and even leap for joy. Which William Hendrickson says means to leap forth with unrestrained, exuberant gladness. Because of the great reward that is promised. And notice the company that you are in, Jesus says, for in like manner they and their fathers did to the prophets which were before you. Amen? Again, you're in good company. In other words, this happened before and will happen again. Because the devil is the same in his attacks against the gospel, past, present and future. It's the same devil. He uses the same attacks. Amen? In fact, your willingness to suffer on account... Of the Son of Man proves that you are the true successors of the prophets. Now, that is a key thing, isn't it? All right? Because you are willing to suffer on account of the Son of Man, on account of Jesus, that in itself proves that you are the successor of all that have gone before you. Amen. I think that's good. <laughs> and therefore, we receive a prophet's reward. Amen. Okay. According to Leon Morris says, God's goodness overflows. Towards the persecuted, whatever compassion they receive in this world, the full reward of the persecuted is reserved for the next. In other words, as blessed as you get down here, because of doing the right thing, and understand, you will be blessed down here. Okay, Amen. He says, what's waiting for you is so much greater. Hallelujah, Amen. And that's why Jesus, again, <clears throat> in Matthew chap- uh, chapter five, verse twelve, and Luke six twenty-three. Combined says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Now, we're coming to the next section which we didn't cover. So I got to go a little slow on this one. Is that okay? Now, following the Beatitudes, although Matthew's gospel has Jesus going on to talk about believers being salt and light, Luke's gospel inserts four woes that Jesus addresses that are unique to Luke's gospel in Luke 6, verses 24 through 26. Where he says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Now, notice this, these are the exact opposites now. All right? He says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. In his commentary, let me just say this first William Hendrickson says, that just as for believers, the Beatitudes are effective pronouncements of blessings, so also for the impenitent, those who are unrepentant, okay? The woes are effectively pronouncements of the curse. The element of warning and the threat must not be excluded from the woe. Okay? That being the case, and we'll talk about this as we go through this, the first woe is found in verse 24, where Jesus says again, But woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. Now, firstly, this is not pronouncing a curse on all rich people. We all know that now, right? Amen. But those who whose only ambition was to accumulate wealth for purely selfish purposes. Are you all with me? Amen? And usually, this is at the expense of following God. This is usually, it's like, I don't have time for religion. I'm too busy doing my thing. You all know what I'm saying? Okay, so those people, he's saying... Woe to you, those that have chosen that path. There is a bad end coming. Okay? Alright, the Full Life Study Bible says, Jesus is speaking of those who center their lives, purpose, happiness, or goals, primarily in material things, or in the pursuit of great wealth. Can I say all that again? Jesus is speaking of those who center their lives. Do you understand center your life? Which means, this is at the very center of their thinking, this is at the very center of their being. Every thought centers around this. Do you get that? And you know how, pe- how there are certain people, that's all they're thinking about. And when you start talking about church, it's like, oh yeah, that quaint little thing. You go there, you feel good over there. I'm too busy in the real world making money. You know what I'm trying to say? And while you're still believing in all that stuff, I'll be a millionaire. The only problem is that you go down this road, and first your worry is, how do I make a million once you make the million next to your worry is how do I keep my million <laughs> okay and so you never stop worrying you're always under this pressure and you know and that's what a lot of people miss they don't get it. They think they always see what the devil advertises that if you get there, oh, you can kick your feet up and you can relax and you can be, you know, that person that's got their sunnies on and has a little, you know, Mai Tai or whatever with the little umbrellas, your little straw hanging out as you're in your little hammock on some little island that you happen to buy because you had that much money. And, you know, you spend the rest of your life just like that. Uh, after about 10 minutes, you'll get bored. Really, do you want to do? Can you see this is what they don't ever get that a person that is driven to make money and that is driven to be working all the time doesn't want that? They dream about that, but if they ever get there, they won't know what to do with themselves because they are so used to doing something. Are you all with me? So, there's the lie to begin with. And the thing is, if you do this right, then you can rest in God. You can, you know, make your millions because God will help you. Except the difference is it won't cause you to stay up nights because you'll know even if you lose this the same person that gave it to you once will give it to you again. No big deal for him. See the difference? Amen. If you make yourself God of your life then you have to watch over it all the time. If you let God be God then it's his problem. You can go to sleep. He never sleeps. He'll keep you safe while you sleep. Amen? While the other guy keeps his one eye open all the time. You know I'm trying to say? Amen. Okay. Alright, so let's move on now. We see an example of this. Somebody that had wealth just on their mind all the time. In this gospel, specifically in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, where it says, And he, then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. We know this. And he thought within himself. Notice, he thought within himself. He thought within himself, his thoughts are centering around this. Okay? What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, see, he's gone. Okay, so this guy's got to the place, he's got it all, he's making another barn because he's got it all and he's got more than enough. And watch what happens just when he's about to have a party. I'm just saying this for effect, okay? <laughs> it says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? He's saying, Have you ever thought about this? You take all this time and all this trouble to accumulate this wealth. What happens if you drop dead the next day? Can't take it with you. Amen. Somebody else is going to come and take it all away. You know, (laughs) one of my favorite... uh, Can I take a minute here? I told you I need to preach on this stuff, okay? (laughs) One of my favorite movies... um, I think of all time, always brings me to tears, and I loved watching, um, is Christmas Carol. You know, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge? You know, the way his, his whole life centered around money and making profit. Do you all remember that? You know, and towards the end, he realizes that he was meant to look after people, not to profit at the expense of people, if I could say that correctly. And I just love that, that his whole life changed. And what a blessing he became. The reason I see that is that, you know, I always look at that and think, you know, there's always a possibility for the worst person to change. Amen? You know, and when I see that, it just always blesses me in that way. That there is a miracle working power at work, that regardless of who you dismiss and who you say, that person can't be saved, they're too stubborn, or they're too this or they're too that, there is a place that they can be saved. And that's why that always touches me. I always think, you know, with God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen? No matter what we think. And uh, always love the ending as well, you know, when, when he does good and people don't know it was him. I love that too. I just think, you know, because he, and in the original, <clears throat> not in the, in the new, in the remakes, it's a thing with society today. They need to tell everybody what they did. But in the original, it doesn't do that. He, he'll do good and not let people know that that was from him. And that spoke volumes. It's not satisfying for the person that wants to say, yeah, but somebody should say it was from them. I mean, they'd be really shocked and like he changed and everything. But you missed the whole point. When Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. We were talking about that on Sunday, you know. Okay? So, you know, I just think that in itself was something extraordinary. You know, that he did something and did not want to be known for it. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, um, I'm preaching a little bit now. That's why he says again, so, he who, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Amen? See, you can lay up treasure for yourself, so to speak. You can have treasure. Let me say it a different way. You can have treasure and be rich toward God. Because, see, you know, in, in the story of Scrooge, he still had money. Except he was using it for the right reason now. He didn't stop making money because, see, had he just given everything away, you know what would have happened? There would have been some person there that could have been a blessing to society that was no longer there because some, somebody convinced them they should give it all away and, and, and you know go be poor or something. And then all the people who would have helped through the years wouldn't have been helped. Amen? You know, so the, the lesson never is give everything up. Because even to the person that Jesus said to do that, the rich young ruler, he was going to get back on whatever he gave. Because he just went on to tell Peter, you'll receive a hundred times over now in this life. That's where we got that scripture from. was after the rich young ruler moved off. So in other words, Jesus had told him give everything up because God's going to give you so much back. If you do this one thing now, you'll get a hundred times back and you need to know how to handle that. You can't allow it to run your life. Because it will. You have so much you don't know what to do with it. Amen? And that's one way of going off the rails very quickly. So you understand that God was about to make this rich young ruler very, very rich. He would have been obscenely rich young ruler. <laughs> okay? Would have gone from rich to obscenely rich. You know what I'm saying? Amen? And that, that, that's the whole point of that story, by the way because Judas was stealing and he needed somebody who knew to handle money and remember in uh, I think it's Mark's gospel it says Jesus loved him do you know why because he said he had kept all the commandments since his youth which is the reason why he had made so much money get it Jesus was saying I have one more lesson for you that will make you more wealth than you can ever imagine and he failed it and everybody preaches that to say see you can't have money and go to heaven no 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 wrong wrong lesson okay (laughs) Let's move on. Notice that Jesus didn't say that he wasn't rich, but he, he was not rich toward God. We get a, a little more insight into what Jesus was trying uh, to say here when we look at Mark chapter 10, verse 24, where it says, Then the disciples were astonished at his word, But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. See, that was the problem. It wasn't the riches, it was the trust in riches. Amen? Therefore, as William Hendrickson puts it, Jesus pronounces a war on the rich, that is, on those who trusted in riches. He does this because the attainment of earthly wealth of whatever kind was their sole ambition. Did you get that? It was their passionate, all-absorbing pursuit. In other words, they didn't just have wealth, they served it. And according to Jesus in Matthew 6.24, this is such a key verse, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. He says, for either he will hate the one and love the other. See, it's never a, a lukewarm relationship. Do you know why? Because... Let me put it in a, in a sort of a context. It's 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 kind of like, and I'm, I'm going to use a very traditional picture. I'm sorry, it could be exactly the opposite. Okay, it's kind of like you know, say the wife. You know, I'm talking in old religious terms now. Okay, just so you get this. Okay, the wife finds religion, and she's hassling her husband out to go to church with her because you know he needs this because he's working too hard. And so, you know, he just gets mad with her because she's always nagging him to go to church. You know, this is the way people see it. Okay, I'm just telling you the way they see it. All right. And so, you know, they get to the place where they just say, you know what? I just hate you for nagging me all the time. They hate and love something else. They hate to go to God because you know what? That is annoying and it's taking away from my time. And he might tell me to give it all away. By the way, if he tells you to do that, ooh, you're in a really good place, it's going to give you a hundred times back everything you made, you're going to get a hundred times back. You're not going to go, you are not going to go in the poor house. You are going to go in the extremely rich house. Get it? So he'll never ask you to do that unless he trusts you with it. Do you understand the only person he said that was the one that he trusted will be able to handle this wealth because he had been following the word of God all of his life lessons that people never teach you about that story. He said, you've been following this all your life. You are wealthy because you've done that. Now, I'm going to trust that you will continue following God's word after you get 10, 100 times richer than you are right now. Let's see if that works. And he walked away. Man, just missed out. Alright, so, so he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one Love the other. You have some insight now. Or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay? You see that? Alright. So now, as far as those who have decided to serve God, Jesus clearly states, Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and I'm moving on now, okay? So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, that there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. So this is the same story. He just finished with the rich young ruler. Peter asked him, we've left everything, what do we get? And he says, this is what you get. He's saying, if that guy stayed just for five more minutes, he would have heard this. You know what's sadder than him being sad is he walked away. Had he been sad and hung around, he would have got some great news. He would have said, uh, I changed my mind. <laughs> would that be fine with that dude? I would have said, uh, Jesus, can we go through that again? I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I get it. I get it now. I see what you're trying to do. I'm sorry about that. See, a lot of people don't wait for God to finish the sentence. This is a, another thing that we're, a lot of problems that we have in the body of Christ is God tells him something and before he finishes the sentence, they catch the first part and race off and try to do it. And then they come back and go, God, how come it didn't work? Well, I didn't finish. I was going to say, go to this person's place, but not today. But before I got the but not today, you already ran off. And they weren't there. But you you said to go to this person's place. Yeah, but I didn't finish the sentence, the but not today part. I needed you to get ready for when they are ready. They're not ready yet. I just want to let you know that I'm preparing you to do this. Now, here are the other things you need to do. (laughs) Okay? Uh, But you're already out there doing Anyway. Okay, all right. I'm making funnies here, but just you get the point. Amen? All right, all right. All right, so he says again, uh, and we read this verse before, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and lands with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, you can serve God, be incredibly wealthy, and still have eternal life in the age to come but for those who serve mammon and are driven by greed. Then Jesus says to them again, Luke 6.24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. In other words, this is all the reward they're ever going to receive. And as William Hendrickson puts it, for their everlasting future, they uh, they have provided exactly nothing. He says they have nothing of real value to look forward to. That's those that want to have it now. That's those who want to look good now. Amen. Continuing on to the second woe, Jesus goes on to say in the first part of Luke 6.25, Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. In other words, in an effort to fill themselves up with all kinds of earthly pleasures, they are going to discover that there is an inner emptiness, a maddening ache, a ravening hunger that can never be alleviated. And that will be carried into eternity. Oh, it's just powerful, isn't it? We see an ex- excellent example of this in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Hallelujah. Let's go have a look at that. Okay, <laughs> Luke chapter 16. I, yeah, No, you know what? Can I go back to what I just said and just deal with some of those things? Because it's just too much there and... I don't want to run into this, because to understand what happens with the rich man and Lazarus, you need to understand what each of these things mean. right, I've said here, first of all, that there is an inner emptiness, and that is something that a lot of people try to fill. You know, if you're empty on the inside, that means that you are never satisfied with anything on the outside. You see some of these people, it, it, it amazes me, how sometimes you see people that do so well, and you try to compliment them and they can't take a compliment. Do you know why? Because they're empty on the inside. It is hard for them to believe what you're saying because on the inside it's never enough. I like a movie called Cool Runnings. You all ever see Cool Runnings? Yeah, it's a very good film. Uh, the, at one point in the movie, you know, the, the team that he's coaching, the, the the captain of that team, so to speak, finds out they find out that their coach cheated. You know? And he asked him a question. He says, you don't have to answer me if you don't want. He said, why did you cheat? And he said, no, I'll answer you. He said, you know something? He said, if you're not enough on the inside, regardless of what you win, it'll never be enough. And he was saying, in other words, he said, you need to be enough in here, regardless of whether you win or not. You need to be enough. It needs to be okay. And that way, whether you get first, second, or third, it'll be okay. For him, he said he won. And because it wasn't enough, he cheated the next time because there was so much pressure on him to win again. game. See, because it wasn't enough for him. Amen? And I think that there's, there's a tremendous lesson in that for all of us. That we need to come to the place where we say, God, whatever, wherever I get to, it'll be enough. I will always strive for the best, I will always strive for the highest, but wherever I land, so be it. And then you go again, <laughs> okay? Not because it's not enough, because you never stop trying. See, that's the duality of our existence. We always are doing our best, we are always looking to excel. If we don't reach the heights that we think we should, that doesn't mean that we are depressed and down. We just thank God for wherever we got. You know something? At least you tried. And you know what? You got somewhere where if you didn't try at all, you wouldn't have got that to begin with. So be grateful for what you got. But don't be satisfied. <laughs> do you understand? You be grateful and keep going. And say, okay God, we can do better. Let's go do better. But you're, you're doing that not trying to cheat, not trying to come first, not trying to do any of those things. It's because you just want to do better the next time. And God will bless that. Amen? Did I confuse anybody? we all good. Oh, hallelujah. Okay. Oh, I have to stop. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> um, well, I, I, yeah, see, I'll, can we pick up on the rich man and Lazarus next week? Because I don't have time. There's no way I can do this in, in under a minute. All right. Let's, let's stop there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for just everything that we have learned. We thank you, Father, for the richness of wisdom in your word. We thank you, God, for all the things that you're revealing to us so that we don't have to try and figure this out ourselves. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Father, just by receiving your word, listening to you, walking in your wisdom. Father, that we can be blessed in everything that we do, that we don't have to guess why things are not working, that we can can succeed on purpose in every area of our life in Jesus name everybody said amen amen all right thanks guys bless you and we'll see you in 2 weeks